Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Our largest single-theme land expansion ever. Now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Matterhorn Matt presents Matterhorn Mondays. Welcome, everybody, to episode 150 of Matterhorn Mondays, coming to you all live from the peak. I'm, of course, your host, Matterhorn Matt. And I'm, you know, just someone who hangs around here, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, we're back again, Matt and Jeremy, for another... Uh, this is going to be a really great episode of Matterhorn Mondays. Uh, we have a lot of great topics that we're excited to get into today, but before we get into all of that... Of course, links to all of our socials will be down in the description below. Um, and also, if you'd like to be wished a happy birthday live on the stream, you can do so by clicking the link down below, submitting your name and birthday in the Google form, and we'll add it, or I'll add it, to my Google calendar here, the birthday calendar. And this week, we only have one birthday, you guys. This upcoming Saturday, the 10th, is Cade Elliott's birthday. So happy birthday to Cade Elliott. And of course, uh, you know... Happy birthday to everybody else who didn't happen to or didn't have a chance to submit their birthday to the show. And as well, you guys can call in 575-386-5814 if you'd like to voice your opinion on any of the topics that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, we, of course, encourage that you guys call in, but excuse me. Um, I guess we should sort of preface this. We should preface this really every week. Uh, we love the voicemails, but we'd appreciate it if we could keep them to under a minute uh, from from all of you guys. Just because, you know, sometimes voicemails, we get a lot of voicemails, and we don't necessarily have enough time to listen to all of them if they're, you know, two or three minutes in length. Uh, so if you can keep your thoughts concise, if you can keep your thoughts on the voice I don't know where I'm trying to go with this but yeah under a minute voicemail 575-386-5814 and like I said we're in for a great episode today Mishikat said it was my birthday last Saturday September 27th but she forgot to send it in happy birthday to Mishikat belated birthday I should say and happy birthday yeah happy birthday and uh, yeah I guess before we get into the show uh, before we get into Matt snaps and all that kind of stuff I'm sure you guys have been wondering where Alex the historian has been Alex is you know he's chillaxing in Oregon he's sort of taking a step back from the podcast uh you know for at least for the uh, these upcoming few episodes and he did send in a statement I asked him if he wanted to say anything to you guys and I'm gonna go ahead and read what Mr. Alex the historian of course has uh, sent in today uh, he said quote I appreciate the support and love I've gotten on the show uh, the show evolves with the times as does each of us. I'm reevaluating what I want as these times change. The show demands something different from me now than it did three years ago, but when we uh, when we started. At the moment, I don't see myself continuing on with the show, but maybe times will change calling me back. I'm very thankful for where the show has gotten me, and I wish for the continued success of the Matterhorn Matt channel and Matterhorn Mondays podcast. So yeah, Alex... As I'm sure you can tell from uh, that statement, he's decided to take a little bit of a break. We're going to miss him, of course, here on the show. Of course, Alex was uh, oh, yeah. one of uh, the founders, really, of not just the podcast, but of the channel in general. Alex was the first uh, Disney YouTuber that I reached out to to help uh, with, you know, collaborating and everything. And uh, yeah, we owe, I guess we owe Alex a lot 
um not just me and Jeremy, but uh, the viewers as well. So I, you know, we always links to uh, Alex's channel and his YouTube channel will be down in the description below. And I think we've had ways to like support Alex financially in the description for a while now. If not, uh, I'll go ahead and add that as well. But yeah, we're gonna miss Alex for as long as he's uh, stepping away. But the show, of course, must continue. And here we are. Here we are, you guys. Jeremy and I, episode 150 of Matterhorn. 150? Mondays. Yeah, that's kind of a big milestone. Almost wow, to, almost that is a milestone. 200. Yeah, but of course, it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. And this is Matt Snap segment will be a little different than it normally is. So let's go ahead and get right into this oh, yeah. week's Matt Snaps. Oh, the audio's not going to play because I... <laughs> didn't do the thing right but anyways pretend the song played oh god it's time. no it's time for matt snaps maybe when jeremy explains what this segment is going to be i can have a chance to to fix it here so jeremy why don't you go ahead and explain what we're going to be doing for this <laughs> week's episode of uh, matt snaps today tonight's a little special it's a little different uh you know we're gonna basically um we, you know we've ordered food Mine came an hour ago, so it's not you know, you know, it's not going to be great, but whatever. Uh, and we're going to eat, and we're not even going to talk about the news. We're just going to eat. I'm kidding. <laughs> and we are going to eat throughout the episode, with your permission. And uh, um, if you have uh, some food, uh, eat along, <laughs> eat along with us. Yeah. Bite, bite, bite. Um, Jeremy, yeah. what food do you have today? I went. I got a lot of junk food. I, I this is this is this bag here is going to contain stuff that'll kill me. <laughs> um, I have there. First of all, there's mozzarella sticks. Nice. It is nice. <laughs> I don't think it came with the marinara sauce, which is pretty depressing. Wait, they sent mozzarella sticks without marinara. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm depressed. That's depressing. <laughs> Uh, and then we have hot dogs. Hot dogs. Well, Jeremy has hot dogs, at least. There it is. Oh, the camera's <laughs> off, but there it is. Yeah, well, I went the easy route. I just have some chicken nuggets and fries from McDonald's. <laughs> I'm um, really pissed off about the marinara, marinara sauce. Very, yeah. very pissed off. Marinara. I've never actually had mozzarella sticks, so I don't know if they're... Oh, you don't like cheese. Yeah, so that's Wait. one of the reasons why I'm doing that. But yeah, I have uh, fries. And I have course. a soda. Soda. Oh, yeah, and I have a, what is this, blue Powerade as well. So different kind of Matt snaps today. Um, Jeremy said the other day that this was going to be Matt called Matt Donald's because I'm eating McDonald's instead. <laughs> so, yeah, I have. Chicken nuggets, and we're going to be, you know, just feeling it out. Just, you know, munching along yeah. with you guys while we talk yeah. about the Yeah, come news. on. Take a bite, everybody. Take a bite. Take a bite. <laughs> Take a bite, everybody. Let me go ahead and get this situated here. All right. Mm. Of course. It's I wish cold. I had marinara. Mm. I have ketchup if you want. I have Chick-fil-A sauce if you want. Does Chick-fil-A sauce go with? Probably not. Well, anyways. Oh, my gosh. Mmm, it's cold. <laughs> mm. Bree said Bree has mm. fish tacos, so yeah, shout it's out to Bree for, for eating along with us. But of course, it's time to get into this week's news from the peak. 
We now present to you news from the peak. All right, for our first bit of news from the peak today, oh, you know. Yep, you must stop. You know, I made sure to leave ample time because I just got off work like an hour ago and I made sure to leave ample time to do all the graphics. I made sure to get all the pictures done. I updated all the graphics here for the show today, but it appears that I've made a big boo-boo. But for our first bit, I forgot to, to update the graphic that produced from the peak, but for our first bit of news from the peak, Disney announced via social media that the next D23 convention will be held September 9th through 11th of 2022. So I believe uh, that this is uh, delayed a year. It was supposed to be, oh my gosh, it was supposed to be uh, this year, I believe, that this D23 was supposed to happen. They decided to push it to next year, um, and they do stay uh, stay in this uh, tweet here. D23 Expo 2022 will be a celebration unlike any other. Uh, let's see, as we give fans a first look into the incredible plans for the 100th episode of the Walt Disney Company. So that's pretty cool to hear that we're still going to be getting news of that next year, of course. But for our second bit of news from the peak today, normally you'd be able to read it there on the little tiny graphic, but for a second news from the peak, character meet and greets will be reopening in Tokyo and in Shanghai Disneyland. Guests will wait in a virtual queue and then be admitted to meet characters from a six-foot distance. Looks like things are kind of starting to return to normal out there in those parks. But for our final bit of news from the peak today very sad news the last show for the grand floridian orchestra a staple of the resort occurred this past october 3rd and there is no news regarding if the orchestra will return or if their 32 year run at walt disney world is uh, is officially over so that's uh, you know of course layoffs we're going to be getting into later on in the episode but jeremy what are your thoughts here on all of our news from the peak topics today yeah, well, um, I don't, I, I don't remember what they are now because the graphic, <laughs> I, we don't have the graphic. I'm really bummed about the Grand Floridian uh, uh, Orchestra. Um, you know, it's, it's really a shame. You know, Disney is about nuance and detail, and this is one of those things yeah. that uh, is is just very nuanced. And a lot of people were arguing, like, yeah, but you know, no one goes to the Grand Floridian to see them. I'm like, yeah, that might be true, but there's still, you know atmosphere and a theme are still values that theme parks mm. should have and that there's no yeah. exception with the themed resorts so i i'm pretty bummed about it and i think they're pretty bummed about it too mm. um yeah d23 being moved to 2022 i think it's a combination of covid and uh it aligning up with the 100th anniversary of the walt disney company so yeah hopefully it'll be good and you know maybe i'll try to go yeah, I've always wanted to go to a D23 Expo, but I've uh, never had the chance, sadly. Maybe 2022, two years from now, will be uh, the year that we finally decide to go. But that does it for this week's news from the peak. And uh, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, we have a lot of great uh, topics that we're excited to get into today. First topic, Disneyland reopening drama. You guys were talking about it yet again for like the fifth episode in a row. But, <laughs> you know, news just keeps coming out uh, in regards to, to this topic. And we're going to we're gonna keep covering it 
for you all. Second and final topic, of course, we're going to be touching, not touching, we're going to be discussing the major layoffs that have happened across the Parks Division. So uh, excited to get into all of these, like I said, just really interesting topics that we're excited to get into today. But for our first topic of the day, it is, of course, the <laughs> Disneyland reopening drama. And if you guys have been following the news as of recently, I'm sure you'll be just as surprised as I have been when it comes to this topic. Now, I should preface this. These two topics are really interesting because, I, in my opinion, they're really intertwined with each other. So it's going to be really hard, at least for me, to... Oh, Jeremy's picture is not there. That's awkward. Um, I'll fix that here in a second. But... Um, like I was saying, I believe these topics are really intertwined with each other, so it's going to be hard to discuss these uh, without sort of bringing up the other, at least uh, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, here, let me go ahead and go to... I'll go back to this. But yeah, it'll be hard to discuss here, uh, in, in my opinion, so uh, without discussing the, uh, the other two topics. But of course, have you all have seen, I'm sure, a leaked draft of the California's reopening guidelines have surfaced online over the past week. And the leaked guidelines included the following policies... Of course, required masks as the first, park capacity limited to 25%, ride capacity limited to 50% with no indoor queues, all guests must live within a 120-mile radius of the park to be uh, able to be admitted into the park. And finally, the county must be rated yellow in the uh, risk level. I think you guys, I think we sort of brought that sort of chart that we showed uh, I think it was two or three episodes ago of like the sort of phases of the state of uh, like how they're doing when it comes to handling COVID. That's what that is about. Uh, yellow risk level, I believe, is not the highest, but it's the second highest, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, from the, the guidelines and everything. Now, of course, I'm sure you guys have been following this drama. Real, when I say drama, I mean drama. So California's theme parks immediately pushed back on these restrictions. The largest issue was the final rule stating that the park must reside in a county-rated yellow, meaning that the county must be deemed by the state to have minimal risk for coronavirus. <coughs> and <laughs> due to the backlash the state faced regarding the guidelines, Governor Gavin Newsom decided to postpone the release of the guidelines, even though they were to be released later last week uh, over or over the weekend. And California then went on to say that they will work with the theme parks before issuing the reopening guidelines. And to top it all off, I forgot to include here in the notes, I'll just a footnote here. Uh, Bob Iger did step down from the economic uh, the California Economic Task Force, which, you know, is just sort of adding fuel to the whole Cal Disneyland versus the state of California drama that we're going to be getting into now. Jeremy, just right off the bat, what are your thoughts here on these uh, on these prof uh, proposed guidelines? Do you think that the guidelines are too strict for Disney? Do you think they're maybe too lax? Just uh, in general, what are your thoughts? I think th if those are the guidelines, I think those make sense. Again, California takes the virus more seriously than Florida does. Um, for one, I've been reading and understanding Disney doesn't like the guidelines, and so they're continuing on this endless saga. And basically, at this point, all parties involved are uh, are guilty. Um, you know, I think Newsom needed to be in stronger communication with Disney during this period. Um, and I think, and I think Disney needs to just sort of follow the guidelines, whatever they are. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's it's all complicated. I think there's so much more going on yeah. 
uh, behind the scenes that we're never going to know about, which is why it all seems so absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there has to be something going on that is causing all of this absurdity, this absurd drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is really what we should be calling it, I think, is drama between the two, between the state <laughs> and the state government and Disney. Now, um, right, right. I'd like to sort of touch on, uh, of course, links to all the articles that we refer to will be down in the description below. But I'd like to touch on uh, the sort of wording from the state. Let me see if I can go ahead and find it here. The, the state said that they will be working with the theme parks. Uh, I believe this statement was given just the other day or a few days ago. Um, the state would be working with theme parks before issuing the reopening guidelines. Now, I think that is the interesting part because in, from what we've been discussing the past few months or so, we've been you know, saying that Disney and the state have been trying to have been cooperating, trying to get these guidelines working together. But then we see here Disney, of course, rejecting the uh, leaked guidelines that were supposed to be proposed um, as if they hadn't seen them at all. Like the state just sort of blindsided them with these, you know, very strict, um, you know, rightfully so strict uh, uh, reopening guidelines. And then, of course, we have the the quote here that they're going to be working with the theme parks before they uh, released the proposed guidelines. So that's what I sort of thought was been ha- was happening from the beginning, was that the two parties were sort of, you know, in talks. And then, of course, in recent weeks and recent months, it's come to light that they haven't really been communicating at all. So I feel like that is an interesting point to sort of touch on, Jeremy. What are your thoughts on what again and we're just making inf- uh, um, I'm just making educated guesses here because like Jeremy said mm-hmm. we'll really never know what kind of drama has been going on behind the scenes between these two so just sort of making assumptions here yeah. why has why have the two not been you know communicating back and forth when it comes to when it comes to this when all along we thought that's what was happening I have a very hard time believing that there's been absolutely zero communication between uh, Governor Newsom's office and or whoever's been assigned to work on this and the Walt Disney Company. I have I find that very, very hard to believe. What I do know is that Disney is a master at PR and can spin anything in whatever direction they want to. They're masters at this. And that we've seen it. We've seen them controlling the narrative in the press. That's only one side of the argument. And we don't know how much is true and how much is not true. Right, that's only one side of the argument. It's coming from the company in question. So I think we, you always have to go. You always have to process that information with a high level of skepticism. I think I find it very hard to believe that there has been no communication between the state and Disney. I think that would be absurd. If that's true, that is absurd, and the state is absolutely in the wrong. I do think it's more of Disney does not want to follow the guidelines that are laid out because they were able to get away with more, in a less strict environment such as the state of Florida. So, so yeah, I think that's more the realistic um, thing here. You know, this is a huge company and huge companies pull a lot of strings to try to avoid paying taxes and, you know, a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Disney, no exception. So it's hard to know. It's hard to know. I do think on the other end, though, it's possible that, the state should have uh, been stronger with communication, but I, I highly doubt there's been just no communication and there's been just radio silence from Governor yeah. Newsom's office. Uh, I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, and that's sort of something I'd like to 
touch on as well is this sort of uh, supposed war between the state of California and Disneyland um, as of uh, as of recently. Now, I've seen arguments from both sides. You know, I've seen people bashing the state for not cooperating with Disney to try and get the parks reopened. People saying the parks need to be reopened. The cast members need the need to go back to work, um, which, you know, is a valid, yeah. a very valid argument. But then you also have people on the other side, you know, taking the complete opposite side, taking a um, instead of taking Disney's side, taking the state side. Why does Disney, you know, they should be reopening with these guidelines. Um but, you know, given the context <clears throat> that we've gotten from both sides, I'd like to propose the question to you guys. Um, who would you believe is, quote-unquote, in the wrong here? Or I guess who would you side with? Would you side with the state of California who's taken, you know, all of these months to get these proposed uh, reopening guidelines to the parks um, who have supposedly not been in contact with uh, Disney themselves or any other theme parks because this doesn't just apply to Disney. This applies to all theme parks um, in California. Um, do you take the government side? Would you take Disney's side? Of course, Jeremy touched on Disney pushing this narrative of, you know, the government being unable to cooperate with them. Um, you know, radio silence, as uh, some have said. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's it, I'm torn between the two because, like I mentioned, there's probably sides that we're never going to get to that will never surface that, you know, uh, could be sway me one way or the other. But Jeremy, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's so absurd at this point, the information that we're getting that I, I, I there's not really it's not really that I'm taking sides. I'm not necessarily on the side of the state of California or the side of the Walt Disney Company. Um, I'm on the side of, uh, I think there's sort of the third side, which is all of us, right? Like everyone <laughs> just sort of in the dark trying to figure out yeah. put the pieces together, like the actual people, right? Actual people. And that includes cast members as well, uh, who are also kept in the dark about all this process. And then, you know, their jobs are on the line for it. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, so, I mean, I'm on the side of reopening Disneyland with proper guidelines to ensure the safety of cast members, to ensure the safety of guests. That's, I guess, leans more so to the state of California, but I, but I don't know if they've been handling it well, so I'm not fully on their side either. So it's, I think it's. I kind of want to remove myself from taking sides. I do approach this topic, though, with a high level of skepticism yeah. uh, toward a company as big and large as the Walt Disney Company, though. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with Jeremy, but there's something that I was going to say. Oh, uh, Abram in chat said, Guidelines for California are impossible to meet. The yellow tier requires less than 1 in 100,000 to test positive uh, for three weeks. OC, Orange County, can never meet that in this landscape. So, yeah, from the arguments that I've been seeing is that the guidelines were too strict. Disney couldn't meet the guidelines within, you know, maybe a month or so. It'd take them a good long while to... Well, I guess not just Disney, but uh, the state of California in general, Orange County, would take them a while to finally reach that yellow tier. And I believe you have yeah. to be in the yellow tier for at least, uh, it was either at least a week or at least two weeks until, you know, um, it, it becomes official. So it would take, you know, at least 
a month or so for uh, the state of California <coughs> to finally get to that <clears throat> to that yellow tier point so the parks can reopen. Um, yeah, so that was one of the other sides of uh, of the argument that uh, I've been seeing, of course. And that just that just goes back to how just the bare bones what the what we've been talking about for months, uh, the sort of the, the the really complicated time that we're in, where there is a pandemic. Yes, it is dangerous. Yes, it is around. No, it's not fully under control in this country. It, it goes back to that 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 first sort of mental debate of yes we want things to reopen just because of course we want things to go back to normal we also want to go back to work i do everyone does you know there's a lot of economic insecurity and anxiety going on i can speak to that personally you know and so we want our jobs to return we want you know uh we want pl places to open but places you know, it, it's complicated. You know, if if Orange County doesn't have it under control, it's like it, it just goes back to that complicated thing where it's like, yes, the parks do need to open. It's just I don't know. It's so complicated, and and, and I don't really. Know, and I think both, I think both of those things have a lot of weight. I don't think one uh necessarily outweighs another but they both crash down on you with equal weight so it's pretty heavy but it's like it's just it's it's just complicated it's just absolutely complicated it is very complicated and uh, like i mentioned this topic does tie into our next topic which we'll be getting into here in uh, just just a bit but yeah so that's basically the rundown of uh, the recent drama that's been going on. And it is just very strange because you see images on screen here from Mice Chat. You see these sort of uh, inside images taken. I believe some of these pictures were taken from, uh, you know, from the, the turnstiles, <clears throat> you know, beyond the gates looking in. You see all these signs set up inside mm -hmm. the parks, social distancing signs like the parks, you know, they could reopen tomorrow with all these signs and, you know, warnings and all that kind of stuff up. That's what it makes you think. And so... You know, it's just it's just adding fuel to the fire. People sort of uh, taking that into trying to make their predictions as to when Disneyland will open. Um, you know, just in March, we could have made our predictions that Disney would open, you know, in October, in August. Now it's uh, it's very interesting because <laughs> um, yeah. I do I do think it is very interesting as well that the state did sort of bend to Disney's. I guess not just Disney's, but to the theme parks as sort of will when it comes to not re not releasing the proposed uh, proposed guidelines because of, of course they were leaked. Disney saw them, told the state to pull back on them, and <clears throat> excuse me, and they did. And so now, you know, from my understanding, they're back into discussions. Hopefully, trying to figure out what would be best to do moving forward. But that is sort of an interesting point, at least for me, that the state was uh, willing to sort of retract those initial propo uh, proposed uh, guidelines for um, for Disney and the theme parks. And, you know, like I mentioned, we haven't even touched on Bob Iger quitting the economic task force that we just, you know, we reported right. on that just a few months ago. Bob Iger coming in to try and, you know, help the, the economy of California. And now he steps down in regards of all this, all this drama. Um, Jeremy, how do you think that would uh, affect, you know, not just the company, but you know everything going forward again there's so much there's <laughs> so much we don't know right but bob Iger leaving the task force could mean a number of things um 
Uh, it could have been that genuinely they, they you know, were not going to help him out uh, at all. And there, there was complete radio so- silence and, and they just were dismissing reopening the parks, dismissing reopening the parks. And he got frustrated and left. I think that's possible. It's also possible that, you know, um, they they laid out very strict guidelines and he, you know, got frustrated with that as well. I think that's probably more likely than than nothing at all. But again, it just goes back to that complicated thing, that complicated thing of it's like in the long run, it's like there's lives there's livelihoods on the line economically, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 everyone can speak to that personally. But there's also, like, physical lives on the line, too. So if you you really want to make sure that these parks open safely, safer than they are in Florida, it, it's unfair to compare it to the rest of the world since they do have the virus far more under control than we do here. And California is a big state, right? California is a huge state with a huge population. It can be its own self-sufficient country. Sure. Uh, we don't want to, you know, we want to make sure that death toll does not go up, you know, or the case numbers. We don't want to make sure those go up like we saw with Florida. They reopened Disney World in one of their largest spikes. And they, it's still, you know, they, it's it fluctuates, you know, obviously. But uh, Florida is smaller than California. So can you imagine that on such a larger scale? I know people say there's no, there's been no cases directly tied to the theme parks. Well, that's not completely true um there have been cast members and departments that it swept through but disney um doesn't communicate that to other departments and cast members they like to keep things very controlled the narrative very controlled that it's safe i think their priority is guest safety not cast member safety unfortunately that's just a lesson you learn the hard way working for any company mm. <laughs> um but uh they need to understand that guest safety is cast member safety um, so, and I think, I think in California, they're, they're trying to ensure that there's a uh, comprehensive safety, not just for guests, not just for the whole state of California, but for the people who work for the company. Uh, so, and I don't know if Disney's wants to make the investment to ensure that. Yeah. And I guess it is sort of interesting to sort of put into context this, uh, Orange County and sort of Disneyland's relation because you could make the argument that Disneyland built you know what Orange County is today Anaheim the Anaheim area um, bringing all the the tourism there Um, so and so you know you could make the assumption that the state owes Disney in that sense since you know if Disneyland is closed then that you know most of the the uh, tourists that come in will, you know, go away. Uh, no tourism will come in. So it is—it's very interesting if you put that in the context as well. Um, but Jeremy, unless you have any final thoughts on this topic, I think we can go ahead and continue on here. Yeah, we can move on. We can move on, everybody. Yeah, well, like I said, our next our two topics are very intertwined with each other. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but before we get into our COVID. Rundown, and before we get into our second topic, let's go ahead and take a very quick, uh, qu- a very quick <laughs> break. I okay, a very quick break, and to hear about the uh, the show's sponsors.
If you guys are wondering where you can find even more family-friendly livestreams, just like this one, head on over to theliveplace.com. The Live Place is your headquarters for great family-friendly livestreams. They cover anything from Disney to other vacation spots, various variety shows, and have some amazing streamers like Resort TV One and myself. Also, be sure to check out PuckerMint.com, where you can find amazing pins and stickers. PuckerMint is based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, just a few hours from where I live. And since I'm a big believer in supporting local artists, we decided to partner up. Be sure to use the coupon code down below when you make your next order. Again, that's PuckerMint.com and PuckerMint on Instagram. And we're back, everybody, from that very brief uh, ad break. Matt's too scared to eat on the screen. Well, uh, it's not that I'm scared. It's that I'm talking a lot. Um, so okay. I can't. Well, anyways, for our okay. second topic of the day, like I said, uh, both of our first and main or I guess forgot we have the covid headlines rundown and my soundboard <laughs> is still broken i couldn't get to find a way to fix it without restarting my computer so shout out to um my stream decks for that but for our covid headline rundown we only have two headlines here that were of noteworthy disney is converting stage 17 in dca to the quote-unquote backlot premiere shop that's the right camera angle. To the Backlot Premiere Shop uh, gift shop. And uh, as many of you guys know, that the uh, Stage 17 sort of uh, building in DCA was used to... I think it was used for the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire sort of game set thingamabob. Mm. Um, and now they've converted that into, like... <clears throat> I think it was described as an almost... Like a one-stop shop for all of the merchandise found in downtown Disney. So it is, you know, interesting as to why would they open that when you can just go to downtown Disney and get the merchandise. But anyways, second and final COVID headline here. Disney is using artificial intelligence bag check systems at the Disneyland Resort. Now, this system was first used in Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and I believe Hollywood Studios as well, and is also the same scanners that detected a gun in a bag's guest in Epcot in the, this past July. So really great track record i guess you could say for these uh for these scanners so shout out to disney for finally upgrading their uh security checkpoints that should uh obviously make uh, bag checks a lot faster but that does it for our covid headlines rundown today and for our final topic here today you know this really came as a shock uh this sort of uh statement the announcement, whatever you want to call it, from the Walt Disney Company. Uh, 28,000 layoffs occur across the parks division. Now, this past Tuesday, Disney released a statement signed by parks chairman Josh DeMauro stating that 20, <clears throat> excuse me, 28,000 layoffs uh, would occur across his parks division. That includes Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Imagineering and retail stores and workers united local 50 uh, union requesting food and beverage or union representing food and beverage workers at Disneyland was informed that 2,800 members would be laid off. 6,700 non-union positions are, are to be lost in Walt Disney World, uh, 6,246 of which being frontline cast members and administrative positions at TDO, Team Disney Orlando. And, uh, of course, another blow here. Imagineering is set to lose 400 of its talented cast members and artists. So, I guess we can sort of just pause just right 
there because this <laughs> is such a big announcement coming from Disney. And I'm, you can make the argument that this is was inevitable. This was going to happen, you know, at one point or another from the parks being closed. But um, just your initial reaction, Jeremy, what are your thoughts here on Disney laying off, you know, thousands and thousands of cast members? Oh, well, it's tragic. Um, it's absolutely tragic that, you know, and I feel for all of the cast members who have been affected by this. It's, yeah, it, uh, I have no words. Uh, and, you know, I think it's appropriate to to let them, you know, grieve and, and not sort of keep uh, <laughs> bombarding them with this in the news cycle. But uh, we do have to cover it, though, at least once on this show. Um you know, it's very complicated. I agree it probably was inevitable. Uh, with that being said, then, using it as a sort of PR strategy is not a good look for Disney, and they've been called out for yeah. it uh, the past week. And I, I, I think it's absolutely nothing but a PR strategy, we, whether it was inevitable or not. I mean, there's a more sensitive way to handle this than to ju- to use it as a part of your, your you know their their PR initiative to shift the entire blame of reopening uh Disneyland on the state of California like look state of California you are responsible for these people's livelihoods no you're the company you're you're responsible for their livelihoods you decided to use to dangle their jobs in front of them in front of the state of California to try to get them to kowtow to whatever you want the guidelines to be that's that's the only way it's the only way this can be interpreted i feel um you know, I mean, there's multiple ways to interpret it, but it, for me, it always goes back to that, no matter what avenue you go down on. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, like a month ago, the uh, topics, the senior executives, their pay cuts ended and they have yeah. restored all of their seven figure salaries. And the fact that it was not an obligation for them to relook at their salaries and relook at their uh, that pay cut situation before pulling the stunt. I think it's absolutely inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. If you want to, if you're a good company, and if you want to be a company that that actually walks the walk in terms of valuing the people who work for you, as Josh Demaro tried to describe in this press release, then you got to act. You got to actually perform that act. You have to. You have to say, I'm not. I'm going to continue to not take my salary if it saves another few thousand people their jobs and livelihoods. I just think that the fact that, that wasn't even on, and again, there's so much behind the scenes we don't know. A lot of people are saying are really coming down hard on Josh tomorrow for this decision. I think he's absolutely complicit because he went through and carried it out, right? But um, this decisions like this, it most likely came from pressure from Chapek and the board of directors, right? The Chapek and the board of directors, they're sitting down, they're looking at charts, they're looking at numbers, they're looking at budgets. They aren't looking about at people's lives. Josh Tomorrow is more closely connected with cast members, and I, I believe him in that it was a hard decision for him, but I do not believe it was his ultimate decision. This is something that absolutely comes from Chapek and the board of directors. Um, but then again, he still carried it out, so he is still responsible, yeah. um, and he's still taken home his seven-figure salary. So the fact, and I don't know, we don't know what the drama was in, in the, in board meetings. We don't know if Josh tomorrow stood up and said, I, we need to have our, you know, our, <coughs> our salaries cut again. I don't want to, I don't want to have to fire my cast. We don't know if there was a, an epic, um, battle, uh, uh, conversation about that, but all we know is the result. 
they didn't cut their pay, they didn't cut their salaries again, and they decided to fire twenty eight thousand people, minimum wage people, not not just minimum wage people from all different. You know, there's Imagineers who are being fired. Uh, they decided to ruin people's livelihoods that work under them, not take the bullet themselves for as a PR strategy to put pressure on the state of California. I think Disney should be ashamed of themselves. I agree, and we'll touch more on Josh tomorrow here um, in a little bit. And, uh, of course, I'm sure a lot of you guys, I personally follow a lot of uh, cast members on Twitter. Um, sad to say, you know, mm-hmm. now former cast members, which is just horrible. Um, you know, cast members have been reaching out on Twitter, voicing their disbelief and sadness and, you know, anger with Disney, rightfully so. And, of course, tomorrow's statement was released, like we just mentioned before in our previous topic, during a time of heated debate between Disney and the state of California over the theme park reopening guidelines. And like Jeremy touched, many feel as though the layoffs were announced uh, to put pressure on the government of California to release guidelines sooner. And, you know... It worked. The guidelines got leaked, but then Disney went ahead and just rejected the guidelines up, uh, you know, outright. So, you know, whatever that will, you know, take that into uh, into account as well. And uh, Demara was also reportedly seen in downtown Disney last week, consoling cast members who had just lost their jobs. And like I said, we'll touch more on Josh tomorrow, um, a little mm-hmm. uh, to closer to the end of the topic. But um, I want to touch more again on the statement itself, the wording of the statement, uh, like Jeremy mentioned, and like I mentioned before, um, the thing I find most odd about the whole event uh, was the phrasing of the announcement. It says, quote, In light of the prolonged impact of COVID-19 on our business, including limited capacity due to physical distancing requirements and the continued uncertainty regarding the duration of the pandemic, uh, exasperated... Uh, by California, in California, by the state's unwillingness unwillingness to lift restrictions that would allow Disney to open. That's sort of a key sentence there. Uh, we have made the decision to reduce our workforce at the parks. Um, and the term I used on Twitter was that it was like a threat from Disney to to the state of California. I don't necessarily know if that's the right wording that you know should be used in this context, but um, either way. This obviously, like Jeremy mentioned, was a PR stunt to, you know, directed straight at the the state of California. Um, Disney, of course, trying to continue to push the narrative that the state has, you know, not been willing to, um, uh, to to work with Disney and the other theme parks to get these guidelines out to out to the public to help the parks reopen again. And you know, like we just touched on, uh, like we just touched on in our past. Uh, past topics so yeah that the wording of this statement it of course it rubbed me the wrong way it initially when i when i read it and um i think this was also posted the same day as some other big disney like movie announcement or some other big announcement that i can't remember right off the top of my head to try and like sweep it um you know under the press but you know of course that didn't happen but i'd like to talk about the man, the myth, himself, Josh Demaro, <laughs> the you know our savior. He was supposed to be uh, our savior coming up from the ranks. <laughs> um, just a few months ago, we were praising him for the work and dedication that he's shown into the parks, yeah. and of course, that was recognized when he was promoted to the parks chairman just a few months ago. And now, here we are, however many months later, uh, you know, with him signing off on the the statement here to. Uh, of all these layoffs um 
it's a complicated question because Jeremy already stated we don't know necessarily what the behind the scenes has been looking like. Um, but do you, and I guess this is not just to Jeremy, but to everybody else, uh, do you guys trust Josh DeMauro going forward? Because like I mentioned, he was supposed to be our savior moving forward, the one of the only executives from what we've seen to actually care about the parks, to actually care about not just the parks, but the cast members also. You know, all these cast members that were talking about him when he finally got promoted, they were saying nothing but nice things about him. Um, Jeremy, do you trust Josh moving forward? I don't trust anyone who makes over a million dollars, but anyway. Um, That's fair. That's fair. No, but I, 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 I do trust him moving forward. We, his, you know, he's still Josh tomorrow. He's still, uh, you know, is is an executive, but also understands the human aspects of of the job that he has. I think that I do trust him. I think it's important to the important lesson I think that I've been learning is I think we were very naive as a community uh, yeah. to think that uh, the new head of parks and, you know, consumer products and whatever the new merger thing of that, you know, restructured department is uh, that we have to remember that we were not saved from Chapek. Chapek got the ultimate promotion. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter who's in that position. Now I'd like to think that he's going to be the opposing uh, voice in this administration, if you will, the Chapek era. But uh, in in a company, these these are not elected officials, man. Josh, tomorrow if he gets too vocal, could be out of there in two seconds. So, um, we'll see. I I have less trust, or I, I guess I have less trust than I even had before for Bob Chapek. Absolutely, sure, fundamentally. And by the way, where's been his statement consoling cast members? I haven't seen yep. no things. I don't. I haven't seen a thing. Um, and Iger as well. I was just going to bring up, yeah, Bob. Where do you, um, where do so, you guys see, oh, oh sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, where do you guys no, 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 see Bob Iger moving forward? Your view on him, of course, stepping down from economic task, you know, we've praised Bob in the past, of course, bringing on the second renaissance of, you know, the movies and, uh, of course, all these great expansions coming to, uh, the parks. You know, and of course, Iger stepping down, being silent along with Bob Chapik. Uh, but I guess we can sort of push Bob, you know, Chapik to the side at least, because we know that he most likely had uh, some part in this. But, you know, Bob Iger moving forward, um, I'd like to hear, you know, what Jeremy as well as what you guys in the chat have to think about, you know, Bob Iger moving forward. My um, my view of Bob Iger fluctuates. I, I have this weird love hate thing with him. Um, uh, I I think any attempt to save his legacy is just over. I don't think that mm. people are going to look back at the Iger years as some kind of golden age. I think the way it'll be studied in history, uh, if <laughs> is uh, Iger represents the the ultimate execution right I, eisner was the transition from this basically a, a, an artistic company a movie studio uh that builds and creates things um to he transitioned it to it becoming a multinational media conglomerate right he was responsible for transitioning into that to save itself right so that disney 
could not just be functioning at a loss as it has been uh, since Walt came up with any crazy idea. Um, so Iger is the ultimate manif- carrying forward of that transition. It's, okay, we're a multinational media conglomerate. We're going to act like it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so the Iger years are about international expansion. They're about being a media conglomerate and less about a creative force, right? So uh, I've noticed it. I've noticed it in the parks. I've noticed it in the movies. I know it's kind of a debate in the community. Uh, but um, this just kind of puts the nail on the head for me. Again, I don't know how much of this comes from Iger or Chapek, but it definitely comes from um, one of the two, plus the board of directors and the shareholders, uh, absolutely, with no consideration of actual human being people. So, yeah, I just, I, I just think I don't think any of the Bobs are going to be remembered too fondly uh in this period of disney history you know as hindsight starts to develop um you know mulan was the the eye open eye opener to oh wow disney of course they're a media conglomerate Mm -hmm. internet that we were seeking international expansion and this is the consequence of that right so i don't know we're just learning a lot about the past 15 years of the walt disney company yeah, Bree said in chat, uh, society has moved past the need for bobs, which is a pretty funny... Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think someone had some confusion as well. These layoffs do, of course, include not just the Disneyland cast members, but Walt Disney World cast members as well. And I believe uh, some of the retail stores, and I think someone mentioned the uh, cruise ships as well. So that is, uh, you know, the departments uh, or parts of the company that are affected by these layoffs. Now... Um, this is a uh, sort of interesting uh, sort of question here. Um, is this worse than Disney in the 80s before Michael Eisner came in? Is this worse than the fallout Ooh. of Euro Euro Disneyland? How would you how would you guys rank sort of this era of um, I guess not necessarily the parks, but just where the company is where the company is at? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, Matt. You're becoming a journalist. I like yes. this. Yes. <laughs> As I cough, I'm dying. Okay. <clears throat> um I um wait, what was the question again? Oh, how does it compare? Okay. To pre-Eisner. Okay, I understand the question now. Um it's different. That's my answer. It's different. Uh, to compare this back to back with the same conditions of, you know, well, you know, the animation studio in the 70s and 80s to the parks, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. It's just, it's a whole different thing. I do think this is bigger. I do think this is a lot bigger. Yeah. And I do think that um, it's going to affect all of, well, I, I you know, it's hard to know because Disney's such a humongous company. It's hard to know just how much it is going to affect the creative output. I think their creative output has been kind of meh, but that's just me. Anyway, so um, high budget, but meh. Anyway, yeah. not always. There's been some great stuff. Obviously, Rise of the Resistance. I don't want to get into it, but there's been a lot of great stuff. But um, <laughs> but it's different. I think that's my ultimate answer is, is it's different, and we'll see. We'll see how it affects 
the creative output of the company. Um, I do think, though, this period, you're asked like what this period will be looked at. I do think this is the peak of the empire. I do think the empire, Disney the empire, Disney the multinational media conglomerate, yeah. is, as all empires do, it's all about to crumble away. That doesn't mean no more Disney. It just means perhaps, perhaps it might be a good thing to just be an artistic organization, <laughs> a movie studio yeah. that builds and, and that does the best of what they do. Uh, maybe they don't need to own ABC. Maybe they don't need to own other companies <laughs> to do that, yeah. right? Um, perhaps that'll happen. I personally don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think any company should be as big as Disney. I certainly don't think any company should swallow up other companies the way Disney does. So we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> we will see. And this does sort of feel like almost like the end of an era. Or at least like the start or the almost like nearing the end of like a chapter in like Disney history. If this Yeah. If this were like a book, this would be nearing the end of, you know, maybe we could call it the Eisner era. I don't know. Oh, I'm not a writer. Yeah, the end of the Iger era, the beginning of the Chapek era. And the Chapek era may not be uh Chapek era might be the fall. So we'll see. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah, and uh I guess to sort of leave off here, because this is, of course, just a, a horrible position that the Walt Disney Company is in. Of course, you have, like we talked about a few uh, few episodes ago, we have Mulan releasing, you know, the controversy coming out from that. Mulan not doing well, <clears throat> excuse me, at the box office, you know, at least not to what Disney thought would happen. Um, not Mulan not doing as well on Disney+. Plus. We see Disney... Uh, pushing back all of these Marvel movies, you know, I'm assuming that they were going to try and release them on Disney Plus to uh, after they saw what uh, how Mulan would have done. Disney, of course, pushing those movies back to next year instead of releasing them on Disney Plus. Of course, we have, you know, just the the back and forth uh, drama between the state of California and uh, Disneyland, and uh, of course now we have we've ended here this is where we are now all these layoffs of all these cast members it just feels like it's just i don't know no one could have predicted any of this you know back in march back in february you know we would have probably thought that the parks would have been closed for you know a few months maybe and then they'd reopen but excuse me but now here we are. All these cast members are, are jobless. I know a lot of my friends are cast members. They've been having to uh, apply to other jobs as well. Um, you know, very dead. It's it's very it's really sad because a lot of cast members who work for the Walt Disney Company join to try and help continue on Walt's legacy of the park, um, of the parks and uh-huh. everything. And you know, a, a lot of the the people are dedicated to their job just because of that, because of the the legacy that Walt Disney left for them to they you know trying to carry on that legacy moving forward. And a lot of these cast members, I'm sure, um, mm-hmm. you know, carried on that philosophy. And now they're going to be now they're gone. It's just really it's really and hard. that that that's that's the thing with Disney that I think is actually unique uh, with other you know to itself um, is that people who want to work for Disney. They want to work for Disney. You know, it doesn't matter in what capacity. Like someone who is a cast member, they want to be there. That's very rare, right? So when the company that you were really loyal to and dedicated to and were passionate about just kind of uses you as a pawn like this, I just, it feels so wrong to me. And I just feel so bad for all of of the cast members and Imagineers that are affected by this. 
Imagineers as well, and you know, I guess it's sort of a tough question to propose here. Where do you see, uh, this is of course to everybody, but as well to Jeremy, where do you guys see the company moving forward from here? How does Disney progress? Of course, they're, probably one of their main goals is to get Disneyland, you know, Disneyland Resort open as soon as possible. Um, besides that, where would you see Disney moving, you know, moving forward from here? Well, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It is still a humongous company. Uh, you know, if $11.78 billion is less than what you made the year before, you're still a pretty good company, right? I don't think Disney's going anywhere anytime soon. They also just own so much that it would be impossible for them to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, but that being said, I do see them slashing budgets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how big and successful they are as a company. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't see, I don't think we'll see uh, something like a Galaxy's Edge or a Pandora anytime soon to that degree, right? I don't, and I, that makes me just, I mean, Epcot must be cursed, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it went through two decades of absolute neglect, which formed a public opinion that it was obsolete and irrelevant. Um, and that's that it was just the nature of the park itself and not that it just wasn't, you know, treated with any sort of respect from the company. And, and now they were at least going to put a huge budget into it to at least, at the very least, make it aesthetically, uh, have this aesthetic renewal in the park. We could talk about the content at a later date. <laughs> I have a whole lot of theories about that, but as I, I've talked about some of them on the show. But, um, and that budget's just going to be, it's just going to be, I'm very worried about the future of Epcot. It's, it might just be like a, you know, Disney California adventure where it's just like <laughs> yeah a random spattering of different <laughs> things with nice looking ish areas mm -hmm. you know I hope not though because that park deserves so much more than that but I'm very worried about the future of that park now that they're going to be slashing budgets left and right yeah and I guess in regards to the budgets i mean you'd think i guess at least when it comes to like in the past we've notated like the words slashed budgets to like uh you know late 90s early 2000s uh you know cast members just maintenance in general going down um you'd think disney would have learned their lesson from back then and would not try and do that kind of thing moving forward now um so i guess we'll see how that goes moving forward of course like jeremy said we're not going to see another galaxy's edge of course you know marvel land isn't even done uh being built yet in california adventure um mm -hmm. and of course we have new Tomorrowland that was supposed to come for you know for uh, for disneyland but um i guess you know it's 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 interesting like i said this is really in my opinion um the nearing the end of uh this chapter of uh, the walt disney company and I remember I asked myself that uh, that's question a few years ago, I think, when we first started the podcast. Um, where do we see this sort of chapter of Disney ending? Here it is, you know, 2,800 cast members laid off. And on that note as well, uh, there's a pinned uh, comment in the chat, and as well as I'll have a link down in the description as well to uh, 
um, from a great tweet by Tiffany Mink to help uh, ways to help all cast members. Um, there's a you know the cast member pantry, of course, and as well there's a really great spreadsheet that she put together that has links to many cast members um, like Etsy shops and Depop shops or Deep. Depop, I think that's how it's pronounced. You know, so you can try and help uh, help the cast members, help them directly, as opposed to you know, like donating to, you know, uh, what is it, cast member pantry, which you know, should still do. Uh, so links to all that will be down in the description. And yeah, like I mentioned, we have a lot of friends who are who are cast members. A lot of people who watch the show, of course, are cast members. And it's just really it it bothers me a lot that they released the statement before. You know, a majority of these cast members haven't even been told if they still have a job yet. Because you know, some of my friends, yeah, my friends are still in limbo, haven't gotten the call yet. Uh, people, you know, just this, uh, just today, have been uh, getting their calls. I've seen on Twitter, and you know, this statement was released last week. Yeah, and that's just another thing that just sort of rubs me uh, the wrong way about it all. But yeah, the end of an era and like i said we really do feel for all these you know all these cast members uh, if you can in any way try and support them with the link that i've used uh down in the description as well as like i said pinned here in the uh, in the comment section um or in the chat i should say but jeremy unless you have any final thoughts on this topic i think it might be a uh, time to wrap up here i don't no thoughts. Wow. Well, we managed to <laughs> speed run this episode, I guess, of uh, of the show. Well, we do have one voicemail here in queue that uh, didn't really pertain to any of the topics, so I decided to save it here for the end. Let's go ahead and take a listen here from... Of course, there's no name in the uh, transcript. There's no name here. So let's go ahead and see who and what this voicemail might entail. Hey, guys. I was learning with uh, Disney Plus, and nothing really new going on with the exception of The Mandalorian. Why don't they just bring back all the wonderful world of Disney's hosted by Walt Disney himself? I mean, what's stopping him from doing it? All right. Great big beautiful tomorrow. Good question. It's still going, but he's he stopped talking. Oh, he's still yeah, going. There is no name attached to that, so thank you to whoever sent in that voicemail. Yeah, a good question. We've been asking ourselves that question ever since, you know, November of last year when Disney Plus finally released. Slowly but surely, I think yeah. they put out one so far, one new one that wasn't added at launch. There's a couple of them. There's a couple of them. Um, nothing, you know, nothing that we haven't already seen. It's great to have an HD restoration of them. But I'm with you. I... I I am on Disney Plus because I still am holding out that we're going to get all of that television archive opened wide up and we're going to see content that we we have not seen before or content that is so much better instead of the crappy v, you know VHS uh, rips that people post on YouTube or Disney treasure rips that people post on YouTube. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I know back in April, they announced that Disneyland goes to the World's Fair. One of the best episodes of The Wonderful World of Color Where was going to be it? coming to Disney+. Plus. I was I was really looking forward to it. It was supposed to be there in May. It has yet to be Where there. Where is it, Disney? Uh, I don't think they realize that there is such a huge base that of yeah. people who want that content and who will, you know, like, renew their subscription <laughs> for that content. But I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, WandaVision, though, is coming out. I think that's going to be up there with Mandalorian in terms of, you know, fans. I don't know if it's going to be like 
one of the best series of the year kind of deal, but it'll be interesting. I think uh, people will like that. People who like the MCU are going to like that, but I'm with you. I, uh, I got Disney plus because I can watch all the movies that I want to watch the, you know, the animated movies, uh, Mandalorian was kind of a cherry on top. I didn't need it, but I'm glad yeah. I watched it and I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the next season, which is going to be coming out very soon. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the Imagineering story. That was it. <laughs> Imagineering yeah. story was good. It's done. Um, it's so funny. There's been so much history, I feel like, in Imagineering the path between where they ended and uh, yeah. today. Um, but, you know, we'll never get a... That's the thing. Once you get to the present day, you're not going to get a comprehensive history because then it's just brand promotion, right? Yeah. So uh, we won't know the drama of this time, of the creative battle at Imagineering between doing original work and just doing movie stuff. We won't know that until 20 years from now. Mm. Um, so, but we can speculate anyway. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. Disney plus has some stuff, but Hey, it's, it is, you can't, you know, that is one of the, that went from, I just blew my mind the way Disney plus just soared. I mean, mm -hmm. at first it sounded like this absurd idea, like, Oh God, is every company going to have a streaming service? And what's the point? You know, it's like, but Disney plus proved that theory wrong. I mean, it has is be it's like the second most popular streaming service, right? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Next to Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone said in chat, uh, I think it was Ben who said in chat, uh, maybe the quality of the films are bad. I know for certain that they have, you know, of course, I'm sure they have like the negatives, or they have at least a master copy that they is, have them. It's very high quality. I've seen. You know they show they've shown clips, of course, in the Imagineering story from bits and pieces of mm -hmm. uh, the Disneyland USA sort of mini documentary thing, and as of course from the other yeah. World of Color shows that are just pristine, beautiful copies that they're just clinging on to for some reason. Of course, we can speculate for whatever reason why they're clinging yeah. on to them, but you know, it's a, it really is a shame because you know I've said this before, but as like a content creator and as like a video editor having access to those like high quality copies of those of those uh you know specials and shows would just make my life so much easier it make the <laughs> at least the production quality of i guess not just our videos but all other you know youtubers disney youtubers out there um so it is it's very it's very strange hopefully sometime soon you know we said that about the disneyland goes to the world's fair but where is it, Disney? Bring it to us. We want Where it, is please, it? please. And we know, we know they have it. I mean, yeah. we know because they did a wonderful restoration for DVD. So, but that's not full HD. Imagine a beautiful full HD. Anyway. Anyway, well, I think on that note, it's time to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode of Matterhorn. Mondays. Uh, yeah, this was, a, like I said, a really great episode. I'd love to hear what you all have to think about the topics we discussed. Comment down below. Uh, call in 575-386-58. Excuse me, 5814. <laughs> if you'd like to voice your opinion on any of the topics that we discussed today. Josh tomorrow, call in if you'd like to clear your name on any wrongdoing when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> Come on fire. the show. That'd be great. That would be amazing if we could have Josh. I mean, it's never going to happen, but, you know, we can dream. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's but. right 
But of course, like I said, and guys, the election's in less than a month. Yes. So, the last day uh, to register to vote was today, actually, I think, or tomorrow in New Mexico. Um, all right. So yeah. there you go. Okay, people. It's, it's it. October 5th. I know in the state of California that those mail-in ballots have been mailed to people's addresses today. So you're going to be getting those if you're in California in the mail. And you're going to fill it out right away. And you're going to turn it in the same day. You're going to mail it back the same day. You're going to go fin- physically drop it off. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to vote early. Okay. <laughs> vote. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I said, I think the deadline for most states is the 6th. I'm not sure. I just know that New Mexico was tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday the 6th. So if you guys are in New Mexico like I am, I'm already registered, so I don't have to. But... Yeah, of course, links to all of our socials will be down in the description, like always. And of course, like I said, links to all uh, to help the fund the cast members from what was the the tweet here from uh, Tiffany Mink on Twitter uh, put down, like uh, like I said before, a really nice, comprehensive uh, way to try and donate to all these uh, cast members who have been affected by the layoffs. Um, Yeah, go vote. Um, Yeah, I think. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't think... Oh, yeah, go Alex. Of course, Alex's channel is always linked down in, in the description below. Um, I believe you yes. put out a new Walt Disney... Who was Walt Disney episode this past uh, this past week? He did, indeed. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Go watch that. Subscribe to Alex's channel. Uh, watch all of his videos. He put out recently put out a really great uh, History of the Magic Kingdom video. I remember he was very profound of saying that he was never going to do a history of uh, the Magic Kingdom, but, you know, here he is. And it was a really well-put-together uh, video. I remember him talking about it, him finding the inspiration for it. Of uh, I think he said something like uh, uh, focusing the story through Roy's eyes, trying to continue on his brother's dream was sort of the the narrative that took place uh, in that in that video. So go watch it. Subscribe to Alex. Haven asks, hey, Matt, if you could eat one type of cheese, what would it be? Invisible cheese, tasteless cheese. He hates cheese. <laughs> he hates cheese. I don't get it. I mean, I like cheese on pizza. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't, like, I haven't tried it. Maybe I would like a cheeseburger. Maybe I would like mozzarella sticks. I think you'd love a cheeseburger. I think you'd love mozzarella sticks. It's just that I haven't tried. I mean, I like cheese on pizza. You know, there's cheese on, like, I like cheese on, like, spaghetti and stuff. Um, I don't know. Then it's, you like cheese. You're just being complicated. Weird. It's complicated. It's complicated. I'll, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out eventually. But, yeah, on that note, thank you all for coming to today's episode. And, of course, have a great, big, beautiful tomorrow.